So I suggest we use this last period of time to um, just take up some more questions and then maybe have a little stretch break and come together for a, a final encouragement and uh, sitting together. So I'll start with taking any more, any more questions that you may have. Let's have a look. Question one. It seems younger people are facing so many problems these days. I know a person aged 26 having severe panic attacks, lacking motivation and with depression. My friend says most of her friends suffer like this and many take medicines for it as well. Can you offer some advice on this, please? Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is not uncommon. Um, I think to me it's probably it's bound up with a sense of disconnections. There's disconnections on so many levels. There's disconnections in terms of this, the environment. People don't really live in a natural environment. Well, that's diminished. They live in cement, glass, steel, wheels, machines. So, I mean, yeah, these things have their benefits, but we are an energetic experience. <laughs> You know, we, we see these physical forms. We're actually an energetic experience. And human beings, you know, they came out of nature. And there's an energetic connection to nature. Uh, mm. um, and if, that has, if that's severed, then a source of vitality is lost. And a source of belonging is lost. I'm not talking about belonging in some kind of, you know, clubbish manner, but just a sense of you know where you are. You know, you know you are in your innately. You know we are. It's not because you've got a name and address. You feel you are in something, and as you know, you probably would recognise having you know spent some time with people, non-mechanist cultures, um, people of people of the land. Very, you know, they can endure kinds of suffering and sickness and still feel not depressed. They're not anxious and depressed because they are part of the land. They're a landform, just like the trees are. And there's something about that. When that's lost, uh, we, we lose an aspect of our, not just vitality, but our sense of being, belonging. Yeah. You know, I call them people of the land. Um, you know, these could be Inuit, they could be Andean, they could be, in, you know, New Guinea, it could be Aboriginal Australians who actually, f and Aboriginal Australians would felt it was their duty to walk the land and sing the land. They were a part of it. They were the part that that, that told the land where it was. So they're that much, they're much that much connected, you know, to to the land and the trees. So we lose that. That's that's bad or not good. Uh, and the rhythms of it, you know, the rhythms of sunrise, sunset, spring, autumn. Winter, bright moon, dark stars, this rhythmic organic quality. We're now in a very mechanized push a button, it's day, push a button, it's night, push a button, the heat comes on, push a button, the heat goes off. It's a that's very strange. <laughs> Nothing op in nature operates like that. <laughs> so we're in this quite disconnected. And then you get the social fragmentation as well. 
which means your sense of being in a, in a neighbourhood or a village is severely challenged by the uh, mechanisation of people become really people become unfortunately to put it crudely uh, people become attributes of a machine they're machine operators mm. uh, so their lifestyle is worked around is based upon going to work getting back going to work and you're in a work zone where you're connected to some kind of artificial device you you get inside an artificial device a car or a train which takes you to a, a concrete box where you get behind an artificial device and you work according to the rhythms of the artificial device and then you get another artificial device talk to somebody through an artificial device go home switch on an artificial device look at an artificial device <laughs> i mean right. you know forget parents forget people you are your family are basically artificial devices. <laughs> so what's that do? Nobody's here. Nobody's here in a, in a somatic sense. So that's another bit disconnect. Um, um, you know, and then even the nature of what we connect to is is often, say, the more virtual. I know what's going on in, in this country through looking on Twitter or Facebook but I'm not, I don't know who lives next door. Um, you know, so, uh, and you may have all kinds of people on Facebook, but what are they? You know, some of them may be even dead. <laughs> Their accounts are still there. <laughs> so who, who's there? Who is anybody? <laughs> so I think this, this number of disconnects makes the system extremely, um, in my opinion, quite fragile. And, and depleted from living, vital, embodied energy and rhythm. So that, and then what's coming across, they are picking up is, well, there's the, you know, war here, there's the economic crash here, here's the environmental catastrophe there, there's some, you know, really bad stuff happening. Or, of course, um, you know, what's on the movies, which is probably various forms of violation and abuse <laughs> for entertainment or pornography or something. So this is what you're picking up. Uh, no wonder you're a bit of a mess <clears throat> because you don't have any ground. Um, what needs to be established, is, in my view, is, is this, what I'm talking about, the feedback, which is I put energy out, it's met, received, it comes back put energy out, it's met by some of the living system, receives it, puts it back, turns it back. I say something, somebody hears, they respond, they're, they're touched, they're moved. I feel that it comes back. Yeah? So the sharing of a connected loop, I, th I think that's where the system is regenerated. So if I walk through a forest and I'm acknowledging the trees, then clearly they're not speaking to me on a verbal level but there's some sense of you know picking something up you know and uh and tuning in and feeling part of feeling the energy and the rhythms and the wildness and the roughness of nature uh that happens on some fundamental level of of, um, of energy of being picks that up uh, yeah. then if you're with human beings 
who are actually seeing each other, maybe not agreeing with each other, but at least seeing and responding to each other. And if they're responding at least in some degree of wholesome, clear, honest ways, you know, not just projecting stuff onto each other, there's, a, there's another connection, very important. And if we're living like that, then this does diminish or, 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 or perhaps in a way of looking at it, um, does heal and strengthen you know, one's own psychological basis, which medication can't do. I'm not saying it's not useful, but it is pretty much like uh, you know putting a bandage on a wound. It doesn't heal it, it just stops the blood coming out. And ideally, you know, but somewhere along the line, uh, meditation, if it's done skillfully, which perhaps isn't necessarily the first thing you do, some sense in which you are, fee you know, con connecting to your own body and your and witnessing and negotiating and relating to your mental states in a skillful, receptive and grounded way. This, of course, is the is the loop we call samadhi meditation, and uh, that also very helpful. Acts of service, loving kindness, these are all skillful means yeah. to feel connected. Without that, you're bound to get um, constrained, depressed, um, psychologically damaged. Uh, and we see a lot of it around. You know, people who just go out and start shooting people. They're, they're screwed up, they're, they're messed up. And above all, Kalyanamita, you know, if we can't do it ourselves because we're you haven't got the strength. This is where the Kalyanamita, the spiritual friendship, will listen and then we're getting some sense of being seen and heard and related to. This is a kind of a service and a duty we owe to each other um, to um, strengthen and, and uh, encourage each other in this way. It doesn't even mean advising people. It just means listening to people and being, you know, relationally accurate with them. <laughs> Many like to own and care for small dogs as a kind of therapy because they feel a safe connection with these little animals. I think it does help. In Japan, they have a phenomenon called, I think it's called hikikimori, which is people, I think they're almost always men, who have just gradually withdrawn from social contact, who hardly ever go out, and, and they're just completely withdrawn inside themselves. Um, and there's a whole group of people who, who try to, you know, form links to them. Um, and there's a, generally they're women. So first of all, they just can knock on the door and the person will actually won't open the door, but at least be able to speak to them through the door. It takes a while before they can even allow the door to be opened. Mm. You know, to actually gradually, gradually nudge and gradually encourage not force their way, but encourage the other person to sense there is something out here that would be welcome, you know, and to open the door to another person. And so these, this is definitely a phenomenon that they see in Japan, and people do are able to come out of it through just the medium of, of human contact. Um, uh, you know, simple listening, presence, and... and uh, and contact like that. So certainly animals, I think, can provide it when people just can't manage human beings. Human beings are too 
too much, too frightening, too overwhelming, too complicated. Just get a dog. If you can't manage a dog, get a goldfish. <laughs> Feed it. Just enjoy feeding your goldfish. That's something. <laughs> Question two. Earlier you said that tension stops energy from getting out of the body. Contraction stops energy from coming in. I'm trying to locate this tension and contraction in my body. Can you offer some advice, please? Yeah, well, tension is, is uh, say if we look at it as a, a shutdown wish to move, wish to emotionally move. I want to and I can't. So it's an internal pressure that wants to release or wants to, you know, it's an internal energy that can't quite release itself. It can be through we are emotionally repressed, so we get tense. We like to feel strong. We like to express ourselves, but we can't. As the tension builds up, the pressure out. Contraction is much more, I don't want to be here. Um, you know, I'm trying to avoid everything. I'm trying to close down and become invisible because things around me, I don't have the capacity to meet them. And they, they, they feel pretty similar, except tension is often hot and contraction is often of the cold side of things, energetically speaking. Mm. Referring to the previous question on younger people, I have teenage daughters who are also experiencing this as well. I find I get pulled into their stories and the resulting restlessness and worry really affects my practice. And I get a strong need to share the Dhamma. How can I work with this, please? I think um, Dharma will, will share itself um, in accordance with people's capacity and willingness to receive it. Mm -hmm. So even the Buddha couldn't teach the Dharma to those who weren't receptive. And uh, the protocol certainly for the uh, Buddhist monastic nun or monk, is you can't teach unless people ask you. Um, and so that, that wish to help, wish to do good, wish to get people to feel better, is uh, uh, an understandable emotion, which I have myself, and yet one must be very careful to not move in without some invitation doesn't have to be a formal invitation without some sense of you know the, the door as with the hikikimori person the door does just open a crack and the way to do that is just to you know meet and share time with people try to kind of touch into where they're at however strange and personally not that interested one is oneself at least, well, that's it. clearly, if it's, if it's interesting in another person, that's interesting. The fact that they're interested in this, that you're not personally interested in. Well, that's an aspect of the human mind. That's, well, what, what, what happens with you? What, why, you why does that interest you? What, what happens for you with that? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and with that, you get, oh, that's interesting, you know. So sharing, so you're getting that, getting that door to open. Um, is probably your practice. Before the door opens, you can't do anything more. So getting the door to open is often 
can be quite a uh, seemingly lengthy time of just hanging in, forming reasonable relationship, um, negotiating contact, um, listening up, being available until the person, the other people, uh, kind of can or can receive, and then they'll probably pick things up almost without you doing it. They'll notice you're you're receptive, you're intelligent. Yeah, there was a story of this uh, Tibetan Buddhist monk, um, Chimi Rinpoche, who used to. He was a prison, I think, a hospital chaplain, so he'd go around and visit people, and it was also, uh, say, a Christian chaplain who'd go around and visit people, and. Um, you know, so the person would go around telling people about this, that and the other. And Chimi Rinpoche would just go sit around and sit by somebody and listen to them. He wouldn't tell them anything, he'd just listen to them. <laughs> and the Christian chaplain would come to see him and say, well, give him his thing about this is what Jesus and so forth going to the Oh same sort of thing. And somebody said, Well why didn't you tell him about Buddhism? He said, I just did. <laughs> that's Buddhism. Uh-huh. Mm. Oh, that's Buddhism. <laughs> I just taught him the Dharma. <laughs> Very direct. <laughs> you're actually manifesting it. You're manifesting it. openness, compassion, you know, equanimity. You know, <laughs> that's how. That's how you. That's the one way of looking at it. <laughs> so, chat. I've noticed in the chat the disconnects. That you describe a society very upsetting. How should we to work with that? <laughs> with equanimity, above all, um, you know. I think to <laughs> we, you know, we talk about society, and to some sense, yeah. In some sense, what are you talking about? Uh, I think we have probably many sub societies. Many subgroups coexisting in an economic landscape with certain national slogans <laughs> strung around it and <laughs> political jargon, but we're not necessarily all on the same page. <laughs> Absolutely. So, best, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, well, uh, even in a fairly small country like, like Britain, it is. <laughs> So many fragmented pieces of, uh, of sub societies that are kind of loosely connected, um, and some of the disconnects become more apparent. Uh, but uh, really, you know, where are the connections? You find the connections where they are. If it's just with three other people, you've got a meaningful society, and that's a meaningful group, and you start working on that. And clearly you, you try to carry those qualities that you can regenerate in that collective form. And you learn from that collective form the values, the qualities, the modes of expression 
and skillful and you start to you know spread it around that's basically how you know the monastic sangha arose and buddha talking to six other people who he had some connections to and then saying well you, you know you go off uh, now we've you know we, we've gathered together now you go off and do the same thing it's just meet people um and once you've established your your what do i call it your field means your your jitter is established your energy is settled you've got a reference to a the proper uh or skillful mind state skillful mental tones and you can express yourself from them then you begin to see well who who connects to this this is how you build up your real um, society um, in other terms yeah there's a good amount of disconnect but even um, there's also a good amount of sort of half connect which is we might say the internet connect whereby people do gather around things like um, environmental work or hospital work or prison relief or you know various good charitable organizations that occur and you can do well this is also like a sort of social grouping that i do feel connected to i'm inspired to be in contact with people who put so much energy into looking after whales or owls or something like that you, you sort of find your society where you can find it and and work from there and the the rest of it the broken up stuff you see what you you can't you can't heal a whole web you can't build a whole web but you can start to you know work on the, the threads of that web that you can reach and put some energy down those but it's an extremely uh fragmented world that we live in and we are in a state where previously it was fragmented we didn't know about it because you didn't have the the media telecommunications now we are connected to a massive sense of disconnect so connect to where you can be connected to and start to um, see what connections you can make and above all equanimity can't be underestimated there's things you can do and things that you can't do um, but what you can do is maintain good heart <laughs> somebody's getting bothered by um, dogs barking uh, and stuck in the sound of the dogs really dislike the sound um, even though there's a certain amount of space around the sound I don't feel very equanimous with this well equanimity is sort of the end of the of the process one doesn't start with equanimity one starts with um, detachment dispassion uh, because you don't hear dogs barking on the street you hear a sound and that's interpreted as dang creatures out there so the more you can reduce the scenario that that bothers you to its fundamental ingredients um, this is a sound and if it was if it was another sound would it be a problem if it was the sound of a bell ringing 
would it be a problem if it's the sound of an organ playing? So there's something about this intrusion, the sudden shock intrusion of sharp sounds, noises. I'm looking at that. You want to get your, as you're doing, try to get yourself settled and embodied, make it a practice, not something that's intruding upon you, it's something you really listen up for. You want to experience that, that, that experience. Uh, and here's the sound, here's the energetic jangle that occurs with that, the shocking of the system, and that turns into dislike. Okay. And then dislike goes into frustration or rage or something of this nature or, or feeling helpless. What could you trim down in that? You can't stop the sound. Not immediately anyway. There's the energetic shock. Perhaps you can't stop that. Could it be possible to uh, refrain from concocting the scenario of dogs and being a victim of it? To just hearing the sound and feeling this, this jangling in your, in your nervous system. And so forget, um, it shouldn't be this way. And also bringing back ill will towards it, towards whatever, yourself even. So there's the sound and there's the jangle, and the abruptness. So imagine, okay, this is never going to end. That's a good thing to do. This is never going to end. For the rest of my life, this will be occurring. You get that in place, right? Now let's let's. So this is this is just the way it is. How am I with that? Oh, that's shocking. Where was the my space that they're invading? Clearly, it wasn't my space. It's just. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, and forming something like a, you feel the shocking, the shock in your system, developing some space around that to let the the, the shock just run through without um, closing it down or fighting back against it. And over time you find the emotional reverberations quieten down, emotional reverberations quieten down, you don't get the same emotional effects and then it's just that and after a while you surprisingly you might find that you don't barely notice the sound anymore or it's just sound, it has no it has no impact, it doesn't dig into you, it's just sound that's the way I work with it I was um, living in monasteries for a considerable period of time. Most of the time there was always something being built. Sounds of saws, sound of machines, sounds of drills, sounds of stone being sawed up, tiles being sawn up, sharp abrasive sounds. You know, and I'm thinking, I am meditating. I'm, well, I've come here to meditate. It shouldn't be like, I'm trying to meditate. Why are these people saying meditate? I can't meditate. What's going on? <laughs> this is a monastery. And how are you supposed to realize Nibbana like this? <laughs> and the sound didn't care. <laughs> it's just this wow, wow, wow sound. <laughs> and just, okay, surrender. 
surrender. This goes on for the rest of your life, surrender. Oh. Stay present, open, sound. Sound arises, jangles, sound passes. Another sound arises, jangles, passes. Sound arises, stirred up, here, energy passes. And somehow through that process, the ill will, the struggle, begins to disappear through that, through that trimming it right down, um, the, the process of frustration and displeasure passes, emotional stuff passes, and that's, that's good enough, that's practice, it's not about, um, it's about working with things. So that you don't suffer anymore. I mean, you know, it's not about things being that agreeable. It's just about not suffering. Um, so when things are, some things are disagreeable. Sickness is disagreeable. Um, noisy, crashing sounds are disagreeable. I don't like, don't agree with them. But I do I have to suffer from that? Can it be just be? Yeah. Okay. Rises, passes. Yeah, you keep your mind right there. Don't let it stray, and um, you won't suffer. And sometime miraculously, the dogs do shut up, <laughs> and then you probably find something else to get you. Something else comes in. <laughs> but this is where you learn. You get your parami and your learning from meeting these, these difficult pieces. <laughs> That's where you get your wisdom from, the difficult stuff. I get a lot of very uncomfortable body sensations whenever I sit down. So I follow your advice and try and find the places that are neutral and then bring them together. I feel better overall, but meditation is super uncomfortable for me. How can I get more steadiness? Mm, 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 mm. Well, well, there's a lot, a lot of discord, somatic discord, you know, tension and discomfort in the body. You want to keep the mind as pretty wide, wide focus, you know, wide even to the space around you, even moving gently through the space around you, standing, moving slightly, just feeling body from really from quite a uh, not not microscope into, into the details of the body but whole body spread out and you're kind of st almost standing back from it your mind is standing back from your entire body so you take your focal point to be you know arms width around you you could say you know and even move your arms so you get that sense oh that's the space that's the space, I hold that, that, that amount of space, that kind of focus, like arms, easy arms width around me, including the floor and the space above my head. And just hold that frame, not for, grip tightly, but just hold it gently, hold that frame 
and say to yourself, whatever is happening within this, whatever's happening within this, just let it be the way it is. So it's really about equanimity, again in dispassion. Let it be the way it is. I will, I will put my energy into holding this frame and letting this stuff wriggle around and shake itself about and do what it does. <laughs> with, a, with a recognition, you know, the body doesn't want to be in, a, in an afflicted state, so it has to find out for itself how to, how to untangle itself. And maybe we just need to be the godmother, you know, who stands back and says, well, yeah, I'm pity about that, but don't worry, I'll be here. You know, I'm sort of standing, surveilling this with a mind of goodwill. And, you know, do your, do your thing. <laughs> and let it sort of sort itself out. You can support that with a mantra, for example. Say, running a mantra through your mind. Slowly a mantra. Om Mane Padme Om. You know, some words in your, you know, in, your, in English or something that you just easy... May you be well. May you so so so. It gives the thinking mind something to to carry, so it doesn't go into what I'm supposed to do about this. Why is that happening? What's that doing there? Where did that come from? You know this kind of thing. So you hold your mind there, and it's the general heart emanations of you know. May this be well. Let it be what it is. Uh, acceptance. Um, it's like you're a a massive cushion. Mm. that allows things to just trample around and you all you want to do is receive it open out the receptivity you should probably avoid doing anything I mean not saying right I've got to investigate this sort this out make this more harmonious that I think is too intrusive at this particular point what about brushing over these areas with the breath that would be helpful it's the light like wiping, you know, it's so like just breathing through, breathing through, it's like misting something, you know, like misting through the experience, because then it does keep spanning your experience, but it's important that there's no intention to to change anything. The intention is much more just to, just to breathe and let some energy goodwill energy pass through the tissues and let them receive what they want you know some of them will receive some of them are quite seized up but somewhere there'll be a loosening and with a knot you don't start loosening the knot from the tight piece you start loosening the knot from the from the place where it's least tight so you start working or giving attention to the areas where you're least tight and make them looser and that gradually helps to loosen the tighter places Okay, so I think we will take a pause.